0: Hey, um, um, my name is Bev Dietzi, also known as Dr. Beverly Dietzi, and um, I'm, an, I'm a filmmaker and a human rights defender and uh, activist um, from Johannesburg, South Africa, and that's where I am now.
1: Mm, okay, and then I'm also based in Joburg, South Africa. Um, And yeah, I'm a writer, but I also just am a person who wears many hats around the realms of just healing, community, queerness, and that's who I am. So Bev, let me ask you then the first question. Homophobia in Africa still remains a critical discussion to be had. So what are your thoughts on queer erasure in the African arts and the entertainment scene? And how best can we tackle that erasure?
0: I am looking at um, what's going on in Ghana at the moment, which Mm. obviously started last week um, with the Catholic bishops conference. Um, And there's a lot of political and public discourse around, you know, queerness being an african and it rears its head every single time there needs Mm. to be a kind of a political obfuscation um, around the issues that are really affecting everybody else on the ground. It's almost like queerness becomes the scapegoat, the go-to that kind of unifies a nation, even when there are things that need to be addressed. And I find that deeply problematic and very sad because obviously the conversations that are not happening are around, you know, not just human rights, not just service delivery, not just, you know, adhering to human rights law, um, the conversations that are not happening are around colonization and what colonization has brought with it that needs to be decolonized in our spaces. Mm. And, and I, I, I don't know where we are going to begin to undo a lot of the damage that's being done with this rhetoric um, because it's also rooted in religion. And mm. we we all know when we go into, whether it's dinner parties or into, um, you know, TV shows, the one thing that you do not touch is uh, religion. People, mm. you know, it's, you, you're told constantly do not speak about religion or politics because that's where um, fistfights normally happen because there can never be an agreement. Um, so really, we need to dig deep in terms of a- attempting to deal with the erasure in in this discourse because I doubt that there will be anyone interested to speak of, to highlight, to feature any queerness, any queer issues, any queer people Mm, because mm. the the idea is to continue the erasure because you do not want to give platform to a people you already don't think exist Mm. or should exist. So yep. already, already they don't think we should exist and that our existence is wrong. And, and, and so there would never be any kind of time where there would be any representation, effective or otherwise, unless it is obviously very negative, which then will then push the, the, the agenda and the discourse that it needs to push and perpetuate mm-hmm. all, the, all the negativity that it needs to
1: perpetuate yeah oh. yeah, no I mean i I don't even you know, as you were speaking, Linda was just wondering the way you've kind of contextualized even the background of where all of this thinking comes from and all this thinking that everybody just keeps assuming, oh no, it came from the West, and I'm just like, yes. It is, I guess it's deeply rooted in colonization. But when we also then don't look into even the traditional practices, how do we even then begin to tackle the conversation of something like, you know, artists or queer creatives, queer creators, just queer minds and thinkers? How do we even get to the levels of understanding our own erasure in those spaces when at the very basis of our humanity is completely ignored? So I'm just, you're, I'm overwhelmed even trying to think about, trying to answer a question like, how do we tackle this? Because it feels almost even like an overwhelming sensation of, where do we begin? Do you think you even have an answer for that? Because Linda, I'm trying to think and I'm not sure I do. I, <laughs>
0: all we can do
1: is do what we do. My, my
0: main focus in a lot of my activism, even when it was unconscious when I was growing up. Mm. Um, And I say unconscious because I'm looking back at my life and some of the things I have said publicly. um, And I am fascinated by the fact that I have always maintained that If we do not speak about our queerness right now, if we don't come out loudly and boldly about the fact that this is who we are and we've always been here, then you have a few generations coming up that will continue to say that we do not exist. Yeah, and it's funny that I said that when I was twenty-two on a kind of a talk show in South Africa called the Dalitambo Show, and I know this because I was looking at my 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 first film, Simon and I, where where he asks, where Dalitambo actually asks, why do you think that you need to be so loud? This is a private matter, isn't it? Mm. And and uh, you know, as much as you know, they think, and and the the, the fallacy is that my sexual orientation is a private matter. Actually, my sexual preference and what you do in the privacy of your own spaces, that's your private matter. My sexual orientation and sexual orientation and gender identity and expression is how you express yourself in the world around you. Mm. And, And how do you then creatively contain your own personal expression of self? in spaces if what you're trying to do is to mimic cisgendered heteronormativity to such a degree that you erase your own expression of your own self. Oh, no. and, so, mm. and so for me, you know, I've always kind of maintained that my being out and my speaking at the loudest voice to maintain a kind of a idea that we exist and we've always existed, comes from that place of wanting to undo the erasure. Mm. And so so I I mentioned this because we, we do what we do. I will continue to do this. It's always been my focus. Whatever films I make, whatever writing I do, whatever music, my visibility is an act of protest. My very visibility is an act of protest. It's always been. And I'm hoping that it becomes the same for the um, the, the multitudes of queers that are being proudly themselves, whether they identify as being gay or not, whether they identify as cis or not, whoever it is that is stepping outside of what is the constructed gender norms that we are being boxed into as though it's the be all and end all of all our existence, anyone that breaks out of that should be celebrated because that is how we express ourselves creatively in the world around us. Otherwise, we are just trapped in this dichotomy where we are just literally constructed to serve a particular status quo. And I I believe that the more people begin to understand that, that not only is it capitalism, patriarchy, Mm. racism, Mm. all all of this has been constructed in order for us to tow a particular line in order to maintain the status quo of the only people that are in the powers, that the superpowers that rule us, not for any other reason. And so I believe that the more people learn and understand that, the more people will begin to break away from the chains of this binaries, because they, these are chains. I mean, you have a, like examples, you know, cisgendered heterosexuality is is too, so it's, it, it's become so. I don't want to use the word rigid because even rigid feels soft, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I get you. Mm. It's, it's become it's oppressive. to to a point where, you know, people think that women are the ones that are actually oppressed, men are just as oppressed. You'll have a brother being all ashy. The elbows are ashy, they're ashy. What happened? Oh, they didn't use the lotion because the lotion is pink. (laughs) What madness is that? It's gonna smell too flowery, too nice. That is oppression. That is oppression, like just completely and totally being oppressed by constructs that you don't even understand yourself, constructs that should not even exist. And so I really believe that really our jobs, those who do understand it, is to keep trying to break the taboos and 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 speak up and show whether through, you know through our writings or through our films or through music, in every single way possible. Just how damaging all these constructs are to not just the queers, but to everybody else.
1: And I think that's one of the things that a lot of these people don't even realize. because to us also, it seems like such a simple connection to say that, but do you not realize that all of this oppression is connected? All of this oppression is affecting us maybe at different levels, different, you know, depths. Mara, we are all being affected by this this way of thinking, this way of structuring and putting our lives into these systemic processes that essentially strip us completely of our humanity. And I know that one of the things that you are constantly saying whether it's you know a specific quote as in the words are coming straight out of your mouth or it's coming straight from your art your work your film because I know that and all all the people who who kind of interact with your work and engage with your work know that where your work comes from a politics of love and it's born from a love of our community of our people and that's That's one of the main reasons and one of the main, I think, takeaways that I take from everything that you put out. It's that thing of saying we cannot thrive off anger constantly. Righteous anger, yes, can power us in so many different ways. But so many of us become these people and do this sort of work and start creating and putting our lives into history, because that's essentially what we're doing. Like, we're cementing ourselves in history. And most of us do this work because we have such a deep, deep love for the people who we are. Who are our people? Who is our community? And how do we strengthen the love and sustain that community into years to come? Do you, do you think I've kind of gotten the reasons, not even, I'm sure there's not even one reason to kind of define the reasons you do your work and where your work is rooted.
0: I used to come from a place of anger. I think I spent most of my activist life coming from a place of anger. Um, And when you then realize that anger eats you up physically, physically, literally um i as a as a healer i deal with energy more than anything mm. and um i i am aware when there's an erosion of the self of myself as a as a spiritual being and how it affects my physical body and um a lot of what we, we, we carry so much of the tensions of life in our physical selves, not, and, and I mean, this is more over psychologically and mentally. Um, there are so many things that break us. And mm. I, I realized that I was being broken, um, I, whether it is not being able to sleep at night, um, which then affects your productivity and your weight and your eating habits. Um, It is substance abuse. Not that I have been a substance abuser, um, but, you know, cigarettes is substance and the way I used to smoke has affected me. Um, I'm asthmatic now, so I'm a very kind of, I'm a poster child for don't smoke, even though I enjoyed it. Um, You know, there are so many things that affect us. The queer community and substance abuse is something that is known because people are trying to find ways to cope. Um mm. I used to I used to come from a place of anger and I someone a friend of mine who is a Hindu said to me you know anger is like holding a hot coal in your hand the only person it hurts is you mm. and so you know I would have to physically remind myself to put the anger down and once you do that because energy dissipates but energy can also be re, you know brought back and the energy that I wanted to emanate from me is an energy of love, as you said. Um, and of course, you know, when you read revolutionaries like Che Guevara, that's where, you know, when you hear Thomas Sankara, revolution is from a place of love. Or what what one of my you know favorite, not so favorite um, activists and revolutionaries, Andila Mutama, would say, but I'm a, I'm a romantic. Revolutionaries are romantic. Um, because you know you're a revolutionary because you come from a place of love. Um, yeah. Even if even if it eventually gets you know <laughs> sidetracked, bastardized because power corrupts. We know this. Um, ultimately, I've had to come from a place of love because then at least you know that love replenishes you, love fills mm. you, love. You can never have too much. You can you, you it replenishes it you. Hi, shorty, Hi, fairly, you know, the, the well of love is con- continuously overflowing. And like I said, I'm a very deeply spiritual person. I do. I believe, I believe in God. I love God. I love the Lord. Um, I really honestly believe that we are all here for a reason and a purpose. And a lot of it emanates from love. I mm. really believe that. And obviously it, it is how the idea of God and the idea of our maker has been totally bastardized in order to, um, serve the purposes of those who are not even believers in God, who are then manipulating and using the rest of us against the very God we're supposed to be believing Mm. in. I mean, I could go Mm. on and on and on, but ultimately, really, I come from a place of love and, um, and it's not just love for the queers, you know. My people are everybody. My people mm. are black, my people are women, my people are queer, my people are the marginalized, my people are everybody. And mm. and um because also there's a fallacy that queer people only fight for queer people.
1: Hey, born. Mm.
0: as mm. though we don't live in the same communities as everyone mm. else, as though mm. we we are not affected by the lack of service delivery like everyone else as though we have police stations that are better because we are queer, because we fight for the queers. No, we're living in the same spaces. <laughs> and so, you know, my, my liberation should reflect your liberation too. So my people is everybody. And mm. I, I, I have to come from a place of love. When I see my people happy, I am happy. Mm.
1: Uh, so I know I know my work often centers kind of creativity as a central pillar of kind of social justice. Né? And what does, what does it mean to you to create, whether in your own life or within your community? How does creativity fuel your activism?
0: Creativity fuels activism, period. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we have to find different ways to express ourselves and we can't all be standing on a podium and, and on a soapbox, you know, there are different ways to express the things that need to be expressed. And for me, I have found that when I have my bass guitar and I'm on a stage and I am performing with my band, it's part of me expressing my creativity um, in, in my own kind of revolutionary way, you know? Um, and so, I creativity, It's just also people are being disingenuous if they think that you can can express your full creativity when you're not being your full self, when you're Mm. not able to be your authentic self. And we're finding that the people who are the ones that are more appealing and more palatable are the ones who are allowing themselves to be their full selves. I think one of the reasons we are finding, for me anyway, in my opinion, in South Africa and Southern Africa, is that we have such boring, rigid, same-same, cookie-cutting, everything, the expression that you see around you, especially the cisgendered heterosexual is, is, is oh my God, <laughs> it's like, it's almost like someone said, This is how things should be, and therefore everyone is scrambling to make exactly the same thing and then competing oh. with each other to put out the exact same thing. And so oh. we, are, we are lacking in anything beautiful and creative just simply because people are not even allowed to kind of express themselves in whatever way that they please. To such a degree that if you look at the, the creativity in the queer space, Desire Mare. You know, mm. when, when, when you look at what um, Jaya is doing, mm. when you look at what Courtney Paul is doing, when you look at that, there is like, oh my goodness. When you look at the visual artists, what is the dancer's name who did the Simon and Cordy dance piece? Um, oh. there's, there's such beauty in allowing yourselves to allow yourselves to be just free to create from a place of your own authenticity. And so I'm finding that there's such rich, rich works of art surrounding us that we're not even getting to see because the mainstream pushes us a particular status quo. And that status quo is to maintain the boring same gray rigidity. And so we, as a population, as a people are robbing ourselves of everything else that could be around us when a flower pops up through the cracks and it is a color that has never been seen before. Nobody says, oh yeah, let's kill it because, you know, there's never been this color before. Mm. And yet that's what mm. I feel is being done to everybody else that's expressing a creativity that's outside of the norm. Mm.
1: It almost even feels like as a person who is that connected to creativity, there's very, there's, it's, it almost feels even impossible to remove that from any form of activism. Because if you're, if you're even also actually thinking about creativity as that full expression of yourself, how do you try to express yourself fully in a world that is saying you don't deserve to exist? You know, how do you, how, how do you get away from that world and even find any point of comfort, of contentness, of pleasure, of joy that you're even able to create when you've got that weighing down on you? So I think even our, even our creativity feels incredibly revolutionary because it's saying that not only do I deserve to exist, but I deserve to exist in exactly the way I want to, in the way that is expressive of the person that I am, of the lineage I come from, the guides that are coming with me, the ancestors that are with me in that time. And it says, here I am, I'm showing up and I'm not going to be apologetic about it because to me, that's what creativity feels like. It says, I'm willing to express myself in a world that's telling me, no, 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 but shut up. So it feels incredibly revolutionary, even the very act, you know, even the act when, you know, I think a lot of queer creatives or artists feel that need to, you know, fall into the cookie cutter that you were speaking about. in Because, you know, that's what power tells them. No, you need to, you need to fit into this mold for you to gain any semblance of success. So, hey, what's up when we say oppression is, collect, oppression is, everything is connected. It's that capitalism functions in that way, patriarchy functions in that way, the heteronormativity functions in that way. So us being able to even create and share that with the world and say, here is a little piece of joy, in a world that is telling you that you don't deserve to even imagine or dream yourself into a world where you can express yourself. Yo. This is going to sound like a sermon, Waitzi, by the time we're done. No, no.
0: <laughs> I am inspired by every single one of us who dares. Mm. It's almost as though what I am sensing around me is that The young creatives and not just not so young creatives are not even caring about platforms and exposure anymore. Mm. It's Mm. like you'll find me if you find me. If you don't, (laughs) it's your loss. But Mm. when you find me, you're going to find something explosive, Mm. something that has not been seen before. And that's what creativity is, isn't it? Is to, be, mm-hmm. cre- is to be imagining ourselves and imagining our futures in different forms and in different ways that are not stifling. I mean, if you look at God and creation, God imagined this world, and God mm-hmm. said, if you're going to go biblical, is that, you know, I, I, I am wanting to see an expression of myself. And so God imagines the planets and the animals and the oceans and the mountains. And God imagined all of us in our varied genders because God is also not one gender, right? Mm. As a spirit. Mm. And so we are then in our expression of our own creativity are imagining things that have never been before. When someone created a genre called Guaido, it did not exist as we know it. Mm. when mm. someone created a particular dance that did not exist until that person created it. Whether they dreamt it, whether they woke up with it, whether it was a flash that happened in their brain and they came up with it, whatever it is that we are creating, the software, the computers that we see, somebody created that that's mm. creativity you know and when you're not allowed to then express that creativity it's it's you, you, it's almost like progress life itself stops that's why everything is so gray right mm. so i am inspired by watching and seeing all these people that are just creating and not even caring i'm i am so fascinated by queer spaces and and what I'm seeing the queers doing, Um, whether it's visual arts, whether it's photography, whether it is television, film, just anything that makes you feel and connects in the truest sense of the word. Um, I cry a lot. I cry in films, I, I cry oh. when I see a beautiful dance, I cry when I hear a beautiful voice singing, I, when I hear melodies, I, I, beauty makes me cry because mm-hmm. we are missing so much beauty in our lives just simply because of how we are being stifled. Um, and so I'm inspired. I really am. Everything that I do, I, I look around and I see all these young people doing incredible things and it inspires me. I really do think that even though it's subtle and it might look small, we are changing the status quo. There's a
1: shift. Mm. And I, I see the shift. You can, I feel, you it. Can feel it. You can yeah, feel it. There's a mm. shift.
0: Um, and sooner or later, everyone else is going to be looking around going, wait, where did this boat leave us? When did yeah. it go? Uh, when this boat left, uh, you know what? We are moving. And, and you know, they'll catch us.
1: Yeah, no, I think you've, you've tapped into, Vela this concept of... So many of us as people who are, you know, doing this work, whatever that work is, this heart work, this care work, this work of love for our communities, so many of us are doing that work because we can feel that even if it exists at an individual level, every little shift matters. It's that thing of, I know... What is that concept when they say that what is easy is easily essentially replicated? I guess So if I can try to form a little world around me, even if it's, you know, and say that we are going to treat each other with love, with respect. This is the way we're going to speak to each other. This is the way we're going to call each other in when we fuck up. This is the way we're going to figure out, Situations of harm and violence together. What is that little community can be replicated in those small little pockets? Because I know a lot of the time when we think about revolutions, I people think of it as these numbers and thousands of people storming down the doors with their fire, you know, Liddy pitchfork. And they, they feel that revolution has to come from violence. And as much as violence and that anger has served us so well in the past, I feel like this, these, these little fights and these little pockets of community that are just saying, let's dream of better ways. Let's dream of better worlds. Let's find different ways of relating to each other, of creating together. And then that makes it a lot easier because it just feels like the quiet, the small little pockets of revolution feels better than the loud and the large and the unsustainable. Because as soon as we try to say, okay, but how do we then try to do this for thousands of people. But if we're not, if Aradzebe how to do it on an individual basis, how are we going to replicate that for our whole country?
0: And, you know? and, that, and, that, and that ripple effect starts in those small individual spaces between one and two and then three people and then five people and then it grows Mm. because then that's how you begin to make it a culture. I think the culture of the toxic masculinity that is relatable to the misogyny, the, the hatred of the feminine, um, which then leads to its own queer phobia and transphobia. All of that started off as a kind of a habit that was started in little individual pockets that then translated and then grew and mushroomed and became a norm and Mm. became the status quo. And so of course, yes, one can see very easily how that can be undone slightly and subtly until it mushrooms, just simply Mm. by doing the opposite. And I mean, my friends and I speak of this as, you know, beginning a kind of a, you know, there's a t-shirt I'm seeing, you know, young people. I don't even know where this came from, but it says the future is um, female. Mm. And I'm wondering to myself, Created that and and why? Like Mm. because the future is not female. The future is feminine.
1: Yes, that is the difference. Because
0: that's the very big, big difference. Because Mm. then feminine is not necessarily locked into gender. Mm. You Mm. know, feminine from a feminist concept is approaching things from a almost the opposite of how masculinity would approach. And, mm. and the masculinities, masculines approach for me, especially the more toxic masculine, the more overt, brutal, you know, masculinity, would approach things from a place of like revolution with thousands of people and their guns. Mm. Mm. And I mean, world wars have been fought since the beginning of time as we know it, since the beginning of their time, because I'm very interested in, in The story before his story. Mm. What was the story before his story? Because his story tells us that he is the superpower and that there's only one way of being in the world, right? But what was the story Mm. before then? We were connected and still are those of us who are esoterically connected. The feminine has always been connected to the world, to the energies of the world, to how things shift, to the flow and the ebb, whether it's yeah. the oceans or the moon. The way that we relate to one another from a feminine space has always, it's not just about mothering and nurturing because also there's warriors. We fight, we do yeah. whatever needs to be done. Yeah. But our approach to, when I say our, I mean the feminine's approach. And and obviously we're talking a, a well-balanced between our own masculinities are involved here. But in terms of ideology, the Mm. way that we subtly change things, even in our own households, is very different to how a overt masculine energy would want to push itself into spaces in its own aggression. I really honestly believe that, like the way that the world is going to change is in these subtle changes, in these subtle ways. And creativity, you know, is is at the center of giving birth, excusing the pun, of this whole new way of being. I mean, a feminist economy, we speak of a feminist Mm. economy. People people look at us funny like a feminist economy. We don't need to be competing with one another. (laughs) Scarcity as a concept was created by the capitalists in order for us to compete with one another to feel like there isn't enough, Mm. but actually there is. And we don't need to be competing with one another. We can actually share and be fine. That Mm. is a feminist economy. That is a a feminine approach to things. So, you know, there there is a shift, there is a way, and I believe in it, I see it. And that for me is undoing colonial ideas of what life is and, and, and is and isn't particularly on the African continent, because what's weird is that colonization brings with it all these really incredibly inhuman. (laughs) Mm, mm, You
1: know,
0: when, mm. when these people arrived on the shores of this continent and brought their evil with them, and they brought their patriarchy and their homophobia and their ways of being, whether it is through the, the way they conducted commerce, the way they conducted themselves in each other, where they don't even greet one another and, mm-hmm. and start kind of transferring that to the rest of us and bringing their religious ideologies that are also rooted in hate, mm. taking, taking away our own spiritualities and our own sense of self. That's the things that we should be fighting. Not, not the quiz, <laughs> you know, um, but we, we know we, we need to be really looking at how are we going to, to undo the evil that they brought along and, 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 and come back to a kind of a creativity and a kind of a being that sees us as bat. Mm. Because now we are just competing with one another. There's all these murders, there's these rapes, there's this anger, there's this... All of this, which is really about us being cut off
1: from who we really are. Yeah. Because it, it also roots from that scarcity that you were speaking about. Because, you know, obviously, if this capitalist colonization, just all of this... This oppression that's been put on our backs to carry as if we don't have any other option. Because I think that that's what's getting to me. It's the thing of, but another world is possible. There are so many other futures. There are so many potential ways to be living. So many different ways to engage with each other, to, to you know, begin by listening, to begin by rooting in love, in honoring Batu. And saying that you and the person that you are, you come with your individual and community agency, that intuition, the wisdom that comes with being the person that you are. And every single one of us has some form of genius, some sort of incredible something, a contribution that is going to make it a lot easier for us to realize that, oh, so that person's strength isn't my strength and there's a way our strengths can work together without me then saying oh because when now you have something i don't i'm going to push you out of the way or i'm going to i'm going to steal i'm going to violate because there's something that's missing inside of me and there's so many resources that have been stripped from my life so i'm obviously going to pick the easiest way to find some sort of sustenance some sort of way to even have you know, to feel like I'm still myself. So I'm like, so if we then decide to start speaking this way about these, these futures that we're dreaming of, Wena, what does that future even look like? What future do you imagine when you start saying, okay, let's prioritize our communities. Let's prioritize Boto Barona. Let's prioritize the love and creativity and understanding that we could have with each other, that feminine energy. What future do you then see in your mind? What do you think that could manifest as?
0: You know, I'd love to dream of a utopia, right? Mm. <laughs> no, I would love. Hotua, know, you know, we must imagine the future that we want so that we can then try to reach for it. Mm. And I think for me, it's, it's, it's very simple. Um, I think... Just being safe enough to be able to walk in a street and and see the stars and enjoy them um, is a future, I imagine. Being able to to live in a society where we are all able to eat and have clean drinking water and clean Mm. air, Mm. you know, and, and be able to access doctors when we need to. be be able to to you know have nurturing and and loving education and educational systems that see us um, the honoring of our humanity systems that honor us as individuals as as humans that honors both That's, that's, that's the utopia that I, I, I see, that I would like to see. Um, and I think that's what we, we, a lot of us who call ourselves activists, whether it's climate activists, whether it's GBV activists. Oh my God, I hate that term with my, with my passion. What is GBV? I don't. Um, sorry, I just need to, Can I just sidetrack quickly and side just get on, mm. get on my soapbox? Mm. So I remember a time when we used to call this violence against women and children. Mm because it doesn't matter how much there's equality in the violence that is needed, but the percentage of women who violate men is so minuscule, but somehow someone managed to come into the picture and change that to GBV, some generic as though the, as, is not a person who is doing the violating. Mm. So now responsibility does not lie where it needs to lie. Wow. Wow. I know whoever came up with that is an abuser themselves. I'm sorry, there cannot be any other way. Mm. And whoever it is that adopted it and accepted it is someone who's either being abused themselves and kind of does not want to like see any responsibility being taken or they're just an apologist. Um, coming back um, from my soapbox. Mm. Um, mm, thank you. Mm. I really, really look forward to to, you know, a time when, and I think it is possible. I I do believe that there's no way one can call themselves an activist and be activisting without thinking that change is possible. You know, because then what's the point? What are we doing it for? Um, Especially those of us who don't get paid to do what we do. You know, those of us who don't depend Mm. on magazine covers for what we do, Mm. is that you must believe in change. You must believe deep in your heart. I believe in humanity. I believe that people are inherently good and that if people have all the resources that they need to make their lives a success and to fulfill some of their dreams or at least have like an option of having attainable dreams, you know mm. because i think all of us really have all the same ingredients in common we want to be happy mm. we want to fulfill our dreams we want to love and be loved and, and be we able want to, to feel eat, safe while breathe there. and feel mm. safe you know mm. um i i believe that it is possible but so much has to change in order for this to happen so much has to change um the way that we are approaching life right now this this cookie cutting Monolithic way of looking at life, at looking at self, at looking at ourselves, and then of course the whole cis narrative about who queer people are, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how much you scream from the top of the roofs, they continue to believe whatever it is that they want to believe because narratively it suits, it suits them to believe whatever it is that you know. You don't know who you are, you're confused, mm-hmm. it's Western, it's an African, you are trying to be something you're not No, you are being something you're not mm-hmm. in order to fulfill some status quo that you don't even know or understand where it comes from. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter yeah. how we scream, but, but because we are creative, we are finding different ways to get that point across and slowly and slowly it is actually changing.
1: Mm. This might be an unfair question, actually. Mara, do you think that African queer creatives have some sort of responsibility to create work that challenges, you know, these narratives that say that queerness is un-African and essentially we don't deserve to exist or we shouldn't exist? Do you think that's the responsibility of the creative? I
0: don't think it is the responsibility of Anyone to to be trying to change minds of those who are hell bent on tyranny, mm. because then instead of you expressing yourself authentically and doing what it is that you're born to do, you are then attempting to change minds. You are then working towards it. Does I, it does not that does not make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, People will change when people want to change. Mm -hmm. People will change their minds when they want to change their minds. Um, It wouldn't matter how much, what creatives do, how we do it. when, When the Ghanaian bishops refuse to see us as human and refuse to see us as anything other than vile and evil, It doesn't matter how creative we can be. So I don't think that it is fair to expect African creatives to be the ones who are responsible for for trying to change anyone's mind. I believe that that will happen organically on its own the more people are true to themselves, the more people are expressing themselves in the best ways that they know how. Mm. You know, I mean, if I, I could make all kinds of examples where somebody will say, you know, I didn't realize that so-and-so was queer and I love them anyway. Um, and maybe it is through my loving casta that I realized that maybe there isn't really anything wrong with these mm. people. And I say mm. these in inverted commas, right? Mm. It's like, oh wow, I, I loved, um, you know, George Michael so much, um, it didn't matter that he was gay. Mm. that's because this is not somebody who went out of their way to use their creativity to change anyone's minds. They were just authentically themselves.
1: Yeah.
0: Whether it's nakane. That is the power of also that feminine energy. Exactly. Exactly. Whether it's nakane Mm. or king ta or Toya Deleuze, it doesn't matter who it is. Mm. By you being your authentic self, you're already making changes. And so I believe that as long as you are as a creative your own authentic, authentic self, creating from that source, that space, that well of your own joy, your innermost. There's nobody else that knows that space better than you, the individual creative. And so the way to go around making changes is by being the best you, you can possibly
1: be. Mm.
0: I really believe that.
1: Yeah, hey, wait, see, I, I just, I'm, I think I feel even overwhelmed to think about how much has been taken away from our humanity, to think that even as we're discussing, you know, what is this utopia that you're dreaming of? How ridiculous is it that most of us will say that we just want to feel safe? to say that we just want to feel loved and safe and to be able to live our lives in our community. We're not dreaming of big things. We're dreaming of that, you know, those 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 constant intimate actions that we know are taken from us. The things like the dreaming, being able to access our imaginations, being able to access things like pleasure, accessing joy, accessing all these things that we're just we were literally just raised to believe that no 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 sorry who can among when that you think that you deserve and it's such a painful thing so i'm thinking even in us saying that you know as much as anger has served us right now we're trying to move with that deliberate action of love and i wonder how much more deliberate our movements would become if we prioritized healing at the center. If we started to say things like let's let's sit together and share a meal. Let's eat together. Let's share some tea. Let's cook and chat. Let's listen to and honor our ancestors. Let's think about sex positivity and listening and understanding the 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 central goals of what we say when we say we want a community what does community even mean what does accountability mean in our community so i'm thinking that as we're having this conversation more and more it just feels like it's those little fractals those fractions of movements that just must happen on a very constant basis i can't even remember who said something like you know repair And healing cannot be about scale. It needs to be about the depth and time. So we need to be able to give ourselves that time to say, okay, let's think about the people who are the least taken care of in our communities and start there. Let's think about the people who have no homes, who are disabled, who are trans, who are just struggling at the most basic levels. And let's think about what it means then to do the work of healing, what colonization and capitalism and patriarchy and homophobia and all of these things have done to us, how do we even begin to heal? Mm. I think
0: for me, it's that you you speak of it being deliberate. Mm. You know, um, moving away from constructs and, and donor ideas of what organizations and what people need. I mean, I took it there, right? Right, yeah, um, yeah. Because obviously we are living in spaces where you have governments and you have those non-governmental organizations that are meant to be plugging in and doing all the helping, and then you have individual community members that are doing their bit. But everybody is also still following some of the same laws and some of the same rules where um, the deliberateness of what you speak of doesn't exist, and yet, Yet mm. we do have meals. We do have tea. We do gather together as sometimes as friends who then say, you know, we might not be deliberate in how we say, ish Chomi, I know you're broken. Are you okay?" But just by being in the same space and saying have eaten, mm. there's healing in the question ujile.
1: Mm. Oh, that's my favorite question.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Mm. (laughs) Exactly. It's a question I ask a lot because sometimes that's all somebody needs is just the the energy of care, Mm. the deliberate energy of care. So we might not have the high fancy words to to explain what it is that we do in our own communities, but we have created pockets. Mm. We do have cabals. Yes, they are cliques. Yes, they can be segregationist and yes, they what did what do they say? Clicky.
1: Mm, clicky.
0: Mm. You know, they can be grouped and they can have their own competitions and their, but there's still communities. There are mm. communities, all of us live within communities where if if you don't have that and you are aware, you can foster it. Mm. And, and it's just by saying, hey, can we get together once a month? I don't think short and you just get together once a month. You never know for sometimes the person you are asking to get together once a month, it's the first full meal or the only full meal they'll have, mm. you know, in a while. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, or just like just somebody just caring enough to hear what you have to say. Um, And just listening to you for no reason, except for, oh, I'm listening to you. So I, you know, while we are not deliberate in calling these by fancy names, I do Mm. think that we do have communities that we have created that build us. And Mm. we can build on that. We can build on that. Um, There's just just a lot of damage that needs to be undone, whether Mm. it is in the broader world or it's within our own communities Um, there's a lot of damage Mm. and you know in other places around our own continent when there's a brokenness it almost feels like healing is so far away because first Mm. there needs to be an acknowledgement of the brokenness Mm. and one of the things we didn't do in this country South Africa is acknowledge the brokenness oh yeah and and that is for me the first most unfortunate thing is that None of us actually said, Yo, we were broken. And then so now, what does it mean to fix? What does it look like? We were all just so happy for freedom. I kept hearing, ah, oh, we're free. And every time you kind of try to define that freedom, it it was never articulated. It's almost as, as, as difficult as trying to describe the utopia we want. Mm. That's what that free, but because we were free and we were feeling that euphoria of freedom in the early nineties, we all kind of started saying, we are free, we are free without defining it for ourselves. And mm. without, it, without mm. defining it for ourselves, we end up being in the same space we were before the feeling of freedom because we never mm. defined it. And so we could never work towards it.
1: Mm. So even in the naming of that trauma, Absolutely. The healing. Mm.
0: Absolutely. We need to acknowledge the trauma. We need to acknowledge the brokenness. My love for for especially my queer folk, you know, and every time I would say, don't ever, don't ever let them tell you who you are. Don't let them doubt your existence. You are you. You know, it's begin to heal from that place. There's nothing worse than loving God as a child and being told that God hates you by people who don't know God. Yo, like, yo. Which God is this that hates? I, I, like, that, that concept has always baffled me and it took me years to come back from that place where I'm told that God hates me.
1: Mm. And know, it was so good, that thing yeah, was so painful. Yeah.
0: And I think my defiance... And my anger came from that place of, you can't tell me about God. I know God. Mm. The God you speak of, that's a man. That's a really toxic man. Mm. That that, that jealous man. A deity, a whole God who created the entire planet, jealous? (laughs) That's you, Mr. Man. Mm. You know? And once I began to understand that, it, it freed me on a personal level where I just... I realized that, you know what? Until God comes down personally and and points, you cannot tell me. And that's a hill I will die on.
1: (sighs) Yeah. I think that's probably a good place to end this conversation, Viti, because my heart is full. Thank you. Thank you. No, I think I just want to say, and I know every time we speak, I say this because I'm so, so thankful. I'm so grateful to exist at the same time as you, you know, as as an elder queer person also in our community, because I think a lot of us tend to forget Hore. Pella, there are queer people who are older than 30. (laughs) I think that's, that's one of the things that makes me laugh a little bit about, you know, when we think about queer creatives and the art space. A lot of the names that are used are people who are under 30. And I just want to, and I know this is something that's also very important to you, for us to have the conversations that are intergenerational so we can learn from each other and realize how many of our collective futures, that we're all imagining and trying to dream of these utopias, we all have so many of the same mutual goals. We just need to get to a place where we are again, Deliberate about sharing space and having these conversations, and being able to say, you know what, I am in this space, I am taking ownership of me being responsible also for my connecting to other queer people and connecting to queer people who don't, you know, live in my exact same shared reality. So, and just say thank you, thank you so for always being willing. Thank you for always being willing to share with us this way.
0: Absolutely. It's my, it's my life's work, it's my passion. I love
1: to talk. So love to talk. <laughs> we have that in common. See, as you were talking, I was just like, yeah, it, it. Yeah, yeah We yeah, love talking. Absolutely. Let's share <laughs> yeah. mm. No, thank you very much.
0: Um, enjoy the rest of it. You too. Enjoy your evening. Thank you. <music>